This is After the Bell Rings, a podcast brought to you by the Triad School District in Troy, Illinois. In this series, you'll hear about what your kids are learning, how they're learning, and ideas to strengthen the school-home partnership. Here's Amy Van Hoos. Welcome to After the Bell Rings. This is episode 11, and I'm Amy Van Hoos. Many students and parents begin the college prep process early by taking the PSAT as freshmen and sophomores, and then taking the SAT and maybe the ACT as a junior. As a parent, many questions may come to mind when you start to look at the tests, like, do colleges prefer scores from the ACT or SAT? Is one test easier than the other? Should I take both tests? Today, I am talking to Katie Brendel and Heidi Houchins, school counselors from Triad High School. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. We're going to talk about these tests and help under and help you to understand the difference between the two tests and making sure that students have the right test for their college choice. So Heidi, would you tell us a little bit about about your background? Sure, Um, I did my undergrad at SIUE um, as a social science education major and I completed my master's work at Lindenwood University in school counseling. Um, I came to the Triad School District about 12 years ago. I was hired as the psychology and AP psychology teacher, and I was in the classroom for a little over 10 years. And then I recently made the transition into the counseling department last um, spring. Well, we're glad to have you. Katie, what about your background? So I actually went to undergrad at SIUE also, just like Heidi. My undergrad degree is in business and marketing, and then I went to University of Missouri-St. Louis for my school counseling degree. Um, I have been with the Triad District for about eight years now as a school counselor. Um, I really like it. It's a great place to work. Well, thank you guys for coming and talking to us today. We are going to explore these tests a little bit and help everybody out there know exactly what they are and why we're taking them and and how they can help you get into college. So let's start with the PSAT. The, I know the PSAT is a couple different tests. There's a grade eight, nine version and a grade 10 version. Heidi, would you tell us a little bit about these tests? Um, yes, both of these tests are designed as practice tests for the SAT. It gives the, the student a chance to experience what the test will look like, um, but also allows them to see what their score would be if they took the actual SAT and they're in that time period, so they have a better idea of the skills that they need to be working on. Both tests are a little over three hours long and are composed of four individual tests, um, two of which are English and language. The other two are math. One is with a calculator and one is without a calculator. And who takes the PSAT 8-9? This year, all ninth graders will be taking the PSAT on April 10th, which is the same day that juniors will be taking the SAT. All sophomores will also be taking the PSAT 10 on that same date. We recently gave the PSAT 8-9 to 8th graders as an optional test um, that parents would have to pay for if they wanted their student to take that, and we gave that recently on March 19th. Okay, is there anything that parents should be doing to help kids prepare for the PSAT, or is this really just kind of an exploratory test? I always tell the parents, and I emphasize to the students, that 
this should really be an exploratory test. They should really look at it as a practice test and not necessarily stress about it. This is a just simply a baseline measurement for them to have a comparison for when they're ready to take the actual SAT. Once they take that PSAT 8-9 or even the 10, they will be able to see what they need to work on to start preparing for the SAT. But I really do not want them stressing about taking the 8-9 or the, even the 10. Okay, so uh, as we talk through the rest of the episode too, we'll have some ideas of what parents can do to help prepare for the SAT. So it sounds like a really good step is to examine these PSAT scores first Absolutely. and see where to go from there. So I like that. Okay, we're not stressing over the first ones. They're helping us help our kids grow. Yes. Great. Thanks, Heidi. And Katie, uh, we talk a lot about ACTs and SATs, and Mm -hmm. those are two words that we hear. And parents wonder, which Mm -hmm. ones do I need to take? Which ones do kids have to take? And how do we use them? So can you tell us a little bit about the difference between these two tests? Sure. So for a long time, the test that we gave in the Midwest typically was the ACT. And that's what I think most parents and students have been familiar with um, for many years. Well, last year, Illinois specifically transitioned to giving the SAT in the high school district. So last year was the first year that we actually took the SAT at the high school. So this has just kind of been a transition for all of us learning how this test is a little bit different from the ACT. What I do know as far as college purposes are concerned that colleges still do not have a preference over one test versus the other. If you take the ACT versus the SAT, they are both um, looked at, not there's not a favorable test one versus the other. But this year, the good thing is, is that we do give the SAT at Triad for free. So you do get to take it for free because usually if you register for these tests on a national test day, you are paying anywhere close to $50 or so. So it's a really nice opportunity for students to get to take this at their home school in a place that they feel secure and safe and a free test and that test again will be offered on april 10th that seems like a great benefit i remember Mm -hmm. taking my sat and i was in a strange building absolutely i know i paid for it several times and so right i'm I'm glad that the state's allowing us at least to do this in the classrooms now and and for free there's something to be said i think when kids get to take it in their home environment there is a calming aspect to that um yeah like when we went to high school we were all traveling to different schools or college campuses and just getting there and you know the anxiety building up to knowing where you want to go causes some pre-stress uh testing anxiety, I would say. So I think this is a a really good opportunity for our students. All right. So we're taking the SAT now in high school. And how is that different than the ACT that we used to take? So the tests are similar. I, I will focus a little bit more on the ACT and what it's comprised of. So the SAT is comprised of reading, writing, language, math, and then there will be an optional essay test. The ACT was pretty similar and that was reading, English, math, and then there was a science test. There was also an optional essay with the ACT as well. So I don't feel like the test formats are necessarily that different um, with the exception of that science test that the ACT did have to offer. I will say the ACT, typically they say that the science components are just embedded in the reading reading section now. So that's they're still kind of giving you that science piece, but it's not necessarily a science test, but those pieces are still interwoven throughout the test. Oh, that's interesting. That's a little bit different than when I remember taking mm-hmm. it. It was it was very English language arts mm-hmm. centered. So interesting yes. that science is there now. Yes. 
So you've talked a little bit about both. Um, should students still take both? Should they register for the ACT still and take it? Yeah, so typically what we kind of advise for students, we do see sometimes that students score better on one test versus the other. And I don't really have the answers to who's going to score better or why, but typically we just see that sometimes kids do favor and excel on one. Um, I had went to a conference last spring and one of the um, instructors there was talking about how they've definitely noticed that students who are stronger in language and reading comprehension tend to score better on the ACT because the SAT is a little more heavy on on the math portion. Mm -hmm. That is correct. And if someone wanted to take the ACT they would register for it in a kind of one of those traditional senses where they would probably have to go to another place to do this. Absolutely. So basically you are going to go online to register for the ACT or the SAT after the April 10th deadline. So many students will want to take, I mean, some, I should say, not many, some will want to retake these tests because they just want to increase their scores for scholarship purposes, for admission requirement purposes. Sometimes a couple of points can mean thousands of dollars for you for scholarships. So we typically see that, you know, students take the test once at our school and then they are retaking it. And there are seven national test dates for both the ACT and the SAT. And these are listed on both of their websites. And basically you go on there, you have to create an account. Parents would have to upload a picture there is a fee associated with the test the costs do vary for each test and then um, you would go ahead and put in your zip code and they would find you the closest testing site to where your child could then go to take one of these tests okay and we'll go ahead and put some of that information on our afterthebellrings.org website also so that you can go ahead and and find it there will will help kind of direct you and give you some more information in that area Mm -hmm. what else do they think about A common question that I've gotten from a lot of parents is, is there going to be a penalty for taking the test multiple times? Are colleges going to see that and think that there's something wrong with them having to take the test over and over again? And every college that we've spoken to says absolutely not. They are only going to look at that student's highest test score. So it's okay to send that score multiple times to the same university if your score is increasing. Right. So we just yesterday went into the classrooms, the U.S. history classrooms, and the students filled out their demographic parts of their SAT folder, which is their name, their address. They also at this time got to pick four colleges where they wanted their test scores to be sent off to. And this is a really nice opportunity because they get four free score sends. After that, it is associated $12 every time you want to send your scores to a college. So we had all of them fill out that. And one of the things, you know, you could already kind of feel the anxiety in the room with some of the students. And just like Ms. Houchin said, I think it's very important that students know as well, you know, as a parent to, you know, reassure your student, you can take this test again. You know, try your best the first time, but you can take it as many times as you would like. And then, you know, if the SAT isn't your thing, register for the ACT and see if you perform better on that test because like you know we have seen some students do their scores vary on these tests so try to just let them know that this first opportunity is you know a baseline to kind of see where they're at and then take it again if they need to so i'm hearing that parents can really help first just by encouraging 
what else about the test day can we do to help our students be most successful? Well, one of the things that we will go back into the classrooms prior to test day to talk to students a little bit about test day and what it looks like. So I think, you know, obviously the basics of getting a good night's sleep, eating a good breakfast. I mean, we studies show with sleep and eating that you're cognitively functioning better when those things are are met prior to taking a test. Um, I would also have them, we are encouraging students to bring a snack and something to drink because it is a long test. I mean, we're looking at over four hours of testing. So there are breaks in the test. They will get a 10 minute break. And then after that, um, two, I think two minute breaks. So we are encouraging them to bring a snack and something to drink, dress comfortably. We always say dress in layers because in the high school, there some of the rooms are warmer or cooler. So we want them to have, you know, comfortable clothes that they can either add on clothes or take off just so that they're as comfortable as possible. And then we will tell them all to bring a calculator, um, number two pencils, non-mechanical pencils as well. And um, I think that's really all they need. And no cell phones. That's a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no cell phones. Yeah, yeah, you'd hate, yeah, you'd hate for your score to be. Yes, cell, no cell <laughs> phones are allowed or any kind of smartwatch or any kind of electronic devices are not allowed in the testing rooms. And, and if they do go off, the student will be dismissed from the test. So we really try to make sure prior to going for testing day that students understand all of the ramifications of that as well. So tell me a little bit about the scoring between the ACT and the SAT and, and how they differ. Okay, so the ACT score, uh, the score is from a 1 to a 36 being perfect. So SAT scores are look a lot different. And the scoring process, I think, for students has been such a learning curve because we're so used to hearing we know what a 23 means or a 24 if a student gets a 36. But looking at the SAT now, we're kind of learning what those scores actually mean. So SAT scores range from a 400 to a 1600. So 400 to 1600 for SAT and ACT was a one to a 36. And to give you kind of um, an idea of what a typical school is looking for, so you know what, what a score you kind of maybe should shoot for, SIUE typically, they say they're looking for a 940 SAT score, um, which is pretty much equivalent to an 18 ACT score and then a GPA of a 2.5. And I will say as far as scores are concerned, colleges do have equivalency charts. So if you take um, you know, an SAT, they can kind of say what it would look like for the ACT and vice versa. How about the PSAT? Is that similar to the SAT? It's very similar, uh, slightly different in that a perfect score for the PSAT is a 1520. But even though there's a little slight difference, it is very it is a very good indicator of what you would actually score on the SAT. So if you sat down and took the PSAT and you scored a 1020, as a junior sitting down with absolutely no prep, you've done nothing different. If you sat down and took that SAT as a junior, you would probably score in that same 1020 range. But that's why we recommend getting that PSAT score, looking at it, seeing what you need to work on so that you can raise that score additionally. So what if we have a kid who 
struggled a little on the PSAT or their first time on the SAT. Do we have any resources for them that we can go to to help increase those scores? Absolutely. Um, Khan Academy is one of the best resources that is available for students and parents because my favorite thing about it is it's free. The other really cool part about Khan Academy is you can link your PSAT scores directly to Khan Academy. And once they are linked, Khan Academy will provide you with an individualized study plan. That is, they are going to zero in on the specific skills that you need to work on for the particular test that you're taking. Mm -hmm. So just for parents of juniors who are listening to this, in the fall, we went into the library with all of the juniors and we sat down and they all have Khan Academy accounts and we linked their prior PSAT scores up with this Khan Academy account so they would have ample time to be practicing and we did that I believe it was early this fall so every student um, does have access to that and like Miss Houchin said it is a free resource it is made by the College Board so I mean this is probably your best pr place to practice and there are seven full practice tests on this Khan Academy that you can actually take. You can set up a schedule as far as how many times you wanna be practicing. Um, so this is a really good resource because as we know in the community, there's lots of fantastic resources as well that we have. But sometimes we're looking at you know, close to four or $500 for some of these sessions, they can get pretty expensive. So um, I, I would definitely recommend Khan Academy and we will put that, I think, link as well so that parents can make sure that they can access that. So for Khan Academy, there's a login for students, is that correct? Yes, they have a username and a password that they can log into and access all of their um, PSAT prior test scores, and then that is all that account is set up individualized for them. They do have a username and password. That's a great resource. Are there any other resources that would be helpful for parents as they explore scores? I think College Board itself is a great resource because if you go to College Board, you can actually look up different videos and PDF documents that break down how the scoring works so that you'll actually understand what that PSAT score means or even the SAT score. It'll, it'll give you different percentile ranges and even what a good average score is. You could spend a lot of time on College Board's website gaining information. I mean, there are numerous uh, PDFs and presentations and there are so many different resources on College Board. So if you're a parent and you really want to get into this even deeper, th there's a lot of information on there for parents as Absolutely. well. So College Board is definitely, if you're feeling kind of lost in this process and want to explore yourself, I would definitely recommend going there. Okay, we'll make sure we link that on our website too. Okay. All right, well, I'd like to thank you guys for all of this information. Um, having kids in elementary school, it's a lot to think about <laughs> even for our future and, and how to prepare for college down the road. So I appreciate all of the information that you've given us. And as a reminder, all of the notes from today's show are going to be on afterthebellrings.org. We are also now on Spotify. So if you enjoy the Spotify app, you can find After the Bell Rings there and listen to the podcast. We are still on Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, and Stitcher. And as a reminder, if you like us, give us a rating and a little bit of feedback on Facebook or one of our podcast sites. And we are always looking for new ideas. We will see you next time. You've been listening to After the Bell Rings. Our mission is to strengthen the school-home partnership. 
For show notes, to contact us, and for more information, visit afterthebellrings.org.